Welcome to another episode of the Has Been Hoops podcast brought to you by Hoop City, Australia's number one basketball training facility. If you want to raise your game, visit the team at hoopcity.com.au to find your nearest location. Now, Wordo, welcome back to the pod after your very successful NBL1 comeback. Uh, don't know if it was very successful, but... No, we you had a lot of people in Melbourne sitting up late watching an NBL1 live stream. <laughs> yeah. Week two was a lot better than week one, funnily enough. Uh, but week one... Uh... Well, you were strangely unavailable to talk about it after week one. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. No, we, uh, we went down to the national champions, the Rockingham Flames, in what can I be described as a really bad three minutes of basketball they probably lost us the game. Uh, we destroyed our crosstown rivals, the Coburn Cougars, by 42 points the following night. And then uh, round two, um, we were missing our centrepiece, Gorjak Gak, and uh, playing against the Lakeside Lightning. Uh, so I was happy to get a few more baskets after some, um, some positive reinforcement from my mates about Looking at the basketball hoop a little bit more, I decided to throw the ball at the hoop a few more times and funnily enough, it went in. Well, we, we kind of figured if we're going to sit up at 11 o'clock at night with a couple of beers watching an NBL1 live stream and you weren't going to shoot it, it, it just wasn't going to happen anymore. So uh, we're glad you had your 24 points in that last game. But enough, um, enough about what what was. Uh, let's talk about NBL free agency and what we've seen. Oh, nice segue. You uh, just did a little Lauren Jackson. Okay, you're, you're we welcome. Um, the, big, the big two dominoes have fallen. Keanu Pinder and Will McDowell-White. We see Will McDowell-White staying with the New Zealand Breakers and we see Keanu Pinder moving back home to the west with the Perth Wildcats. What are your thoughts first on Will McDowell-White and then secondly, Keanu Pinder? I really love when players have breakout years and I just think a lot of credit oftentimes needs to go to their coaches and those two players you mentioned have demonstrated over the last couple of years their talent and that they've done it, you know, in their current environments. I love that Will McDowell-White stayed. Um, he, he, he's got to play for Modi now for that one year and he's re- re- reacted really well, responded really well, uh, played at a level equal to any local point guard in the NBL. Um, I'm really happy that the Breakers were in a position to retain him Um and that he chose to probably repay a little bit of the investment that the breakers had put in by, by staying out. I would have loved to have seen Pinder stay as well. Um, unfortunately, I can only imagine the financial situation was very different between Cairns and Perth and Sydney, who I know wanted him as well. And, you know, given an equal footing, I'd like to still think that Keanu Pinder would have chosen to remain at the club who'd given him his opportunity to have the, the, the two seasons he's just had. But I can only imagine the gulf of salary offers between what the Taipans would have been able to offer him and what the Wildcats were. But, you know, the fact that he goes home, the fact that he gets to play in front of family and friends as well, probably, you know, I hope it's a great fit for him. And I hope that uh, John really is able to get out of him what Adam Ford was. Yeah, look, the money that both Sydney and Perth were f- – uh, throwing at Keanu Pinder, I don't think the Taipans could have come close to it at the end of the day. Um, I, th- I hear that Pinder is interested in doing uh, more community work 
back in his hometown uh, and helping those less fortunate as well. Uh, I, I think the Perth Wildcats needed a signing like this in the front court uh, because I believe their front court has probably been their underbelly in the last couple of seasons. Will McDowell-White, as you said, um, there's something good. When, when a team has a quality Australian point guard, it allows you to get quality imports in other positions. And um, for New Zealand to be able to get retain Will McDowell-White has been huge. Now, a few other ones. Jason Kadee has made his way back to Adelaide, uh, making his exit out of Brisbane. Mason Peatling out of Melbourne United to the Illawarra Hawks. David Aquera out of Melbourne United to the Perth Wildcats. Bull Quoll remains a Cairns Taipan. And uh, my Williston Tigers team at Gorjak Gak out of Brisbane to the Phoenix I think the biggest one there, the biggest two there, but I'll say the biggest one there is Bull Quoll and the Cairns Taipans being able to retain Bull Quoll, followed by Jason Kadee to Adelaide. Thoughts? I agree. The, the, the Kadee one was an interesting one. The, the, the Adelaide 36ers clearly need that veteran leadership that he provides. Um, what his role is, I'm unsure, but you know, we've, we've got an interview coming up with Sam McKinnon who rates – uh, Jason Kadee really, really highly with, with the IQ he brings to the group on and off the court. But I, I'd almost go the other way. I, I think the really, really interesting ones are, are Mason Peatling and David Aquera leaving Melbourne United. It's not where they went, but the fact that they left just solidifies what we believe to be true, that they're going to sign Luke Travers. Um, you know, Peatling was their workhorse. The guy, he was really dependable. He was reliable in a sense that you could play him. He didn't need the ball in his hands, but knocked down that open three and complemented the talent that United had really, really well. So the fact that he's chosen to leave um, probably indicates to me even more strongly that Luke Travers is a done deal and we'll see him in the United singlet next season. And I'll just say that Gorjak Gak, I really like that signing by the Phoenix. Uh, backs up Alan Williams. I think... What we've seen is uh, Dane Pinot take up a bunch of those minutes uh, last season. Uh, it was Joe Chi the, the year before. But having uh, a young talent like him, and obviously I'm, I get to see him every day at training and in the games, this guy's ceiling is a lot higher than probably what a lot of people would, would recognise. Uh, and his ability... His all-round ability on both ends of the court. I love his game, so I'm really excited for him. And just to get him for one year is really, really positive for the Phoenix. They get an absolute look at him, and I wouldn't be surprised knowing what I believe I've seen in him uh, if they extend him once he's been in their door and they get to know him as a, a person off the court as well. But you're right, that they needed some athleticism. They needed the ability to be on the floor consistently in that backup big spot. And it's something that they just haven't had in- since their inception. It was interesting round one, uh, the first game versus Rockingham, John really in the stands to see him game two, Mike Kelly in the stands to see him. So obviously Perth and, and the Phoenix were his two destinations of choice, but he ends up going to the Phoenix uh, transitioning to one of my old teammates, someone that you coached, Nate Tomlinson, um, I put it out, he's doing great things. Uh, so 
he left, he retired from basketball. He went over to China and coached with his dad, then made his way back to Colorado, which is the university that he played at as on the coaching staff there, moved over to George Mason on the coaching staff and now finds himself in Providence on the coaching staff there. And I threw it out there that it'd be nice to see an NBL team take a chance on a young Nate Tomlinson and just let him and the team grow uh, because I believe it would be beneficial. He was one of the smarter teammates that I ever played with. Um, but I really think Sam, we, we, we spoke to Sam McKinnon and he talked about uh, a lot of good Australian coaches over there applying their trade over in the States at the moment. I'd love to see someone like Nate Tomlinson back in the league. It was interesting, and the people I spoke to when I was recruiting Nate, it was that he was a winner and just get him. And we went and got him. And so much of what, and probably granted it wasn't a whole lot, but but when I took over the Melbourne Tigers as their head coach, um, the club hadn't been in the playoffs in five years. And we ended up, you know, losing Steve Dennis, who we'd signed as an import, and Nate Tomlinson became our starting point guard right from the start. We had a young and inexperienced Chris Golding and so much is spoken in Australian basketball of the levels that Chris Golding has got to and, you know, the, the, the one game in particular in year two that he had his 50-point game against the Sydney Kings, which was the only 50-point game in the 40-minute era, but I'm, I'm still not sure, actually I am sure, not enough credit's given to Nate Tomlinson for his impact he had on Chris Golding's success, that high-level pass-first point guard who knew how to get his teammates in the right spots, knew which teammates to get what shots, picked up full court on the defensive end, even though he wasn't the most fleet of foot but was just tough. Um, he he was always a coach's son, he, he, and he challenged me as a coach, which at the start it was a bit offsetting because I needed to find my feet, but I really grew... To, to value what he had to say. But you mentioned he went back to Colorado. It was interesting that um, when he came in the door, the, one of the challenges when a player has an incredible college experience is that we can't replicate that in the NBL. We couldn't back then. And we, we don't hand the players everything. We don't hold their hand the whole way through. We don't give them free shoes. We don't have everything sitting in the locker room for them. So it was actually a bit eye-opening for Nate to finish his collegiate career walk into the Melbourne Tigers and, you know, we're training at the Sandringham Sabres, you know, court. We had the physio down the road. Uh, the office was somewhere else. It, it, it was very – you had to live by yourself and find your way around it. It wasn't what he was accustomed to. So it's a very long answer to say the fact that he got back to Colorado to coach was fantastic. I, I'd love to see him here. He's, he's very, very high IQ and – you know, when we had Daniel Moldovan on the pod uh, a month or so ago, he threw the idea of having a young, almost entirely next stars team in the NBL. That would be the sort of team I'd see Nate Tomlinson working with and developing because he doesn't take any shit. He won't adhere to their egos. Um, he would help that level of talent get better. I totally agree. Uh, I, I said that he, I believe he'll end up one of 
Australia's better coaches when it's all said and done, uh, and he's well on his path to doing so. Um, hey, just on this, I've got something written down next, and, and this is one that's sat on the on the list for weeks. As the NBA season wound up, I continued to, and I've heard it in the NBL as well, you know, that this particular player or a particular team wants to come out and have a statement game, that, you know, they need to make a statement to the league. It's the most full of shit comment I've, I think I've ever heard. I mean, I can't remember ever being on a team where we felt like we needed to make a statement to anyone else. So if we're on teams where we needed to win for self-belief. We're, on a, we're in games where we needed to win to keep playoff hopes alive. Uh, we're in a game where we needed to beat a particular opponent so that we knew we could when it became playoffs. But, I mean, you tell me, have you ever been in a game where you needed to make a statement to the league? I don't think you can play a little bit harder, like as a team. Like that's not a mindset that a team has. Like if you need to win the game, obviously there's a sense of urgency, but it's not a statement that you make to to a to the league or, or how you're going to play. I think the most important thing is to have consistency coming into a playoffs. I think the most important thing is to have health on your side going into a playoffs. And I believe the teams that have that sort of um, contingency throughout are the teams that end up in the final game. It's not a matter of let's have a, a, a statement game to tell everyone that we're for real. You're either for real already or you're not. And that's the thing, I'll allow myself to to, to be old here for a minute, but yeah, as a good team who knows where we go, we we don't care if we get beat by those teams in what they might call a statement game, but when you hear the comment, we got up for a particular cause or a particular person or a particular reason, Mike, why weren't you there already? You need to be there every week to be a pro. So if you're dependent on a statement game or a cause or, or getting up for a particular reason, all that says to me is you absolutely no chance of winning a championship. I, I agree 100%. Now, we've just had our last day of the NBA and what a wild last day of the NBA it was. Oh. You ready for this? I'm going to run down the list. Okay. Udonis Haslam scores 24 points. Cam, <laughs> Cam Thomas scores 46 points. Kenny Lofton Jr. scores 42 points in his first, in first game of NBA, scores 42 points. Peyton Pritchard scores a 30-point triple-double. Theo Pinson gets a triple-double. <laughs> Rudy Gobert punches Kyle Anderson and gets sent home. Jaden McDaniels breaks his hand, punching punches a wall. A wall. <laughs> Dwayne Casey is out as the Pistons coach. Stephen Silas is out as the Rockets coach. And the Blazers lose by 56 points. And I didn't even mention that uh, Mason Plum, uh, Miles Plumley, and uh, oh, whatever Plumley it is, and Bones Highland got into it on the bench as well. That was your last well, day of the NBA. <laughs> All of a sudden, Xavier Cooks' double-double doesn't look as good, does it? Um, but the, the interesting part was that was the day that LeBron, LeBron James chose to crown himself on a day where all that rubbish happens. That's the day he chooses to crown himself um, as the scoring king leading into the playoffs. It was interesting watching the Lakers at full strength really swing him to try to make sure they got some momentum while the rest of the NBA went into meltdown. Um, 
What do you think about the Minnesota Timberwolves? That, that's the one that, that got me, that you get so close to the playoffs and you got Rudy Gobert hitting Kyle Anderson, whether it's a punch or a push or whatever it is, and Jade McDaniels punching a wall. So they're going to hit the play-in series against the Lakers without well, without Jaden, mental blank, without Jaden McDaniels. And, I mean, does Rudy Gobert get suspended? Can't be yeah, a happy he, was, he was suspended. He was suspended for game one. So, the, the, Which is all they're going to get against the Lakers. So the Lakers have been blessed a, a run into the seventh seed it, and, a, and a really winnable series. I don't think I can remember a team having this sort of brain snap on the last game before a player. It can't be a brain snap, but there's got to be more leading up to that. That stuff does, just doesn't happen I read, on a win. I read, I read a story. There, there was someone doing a story about the leadership of Kyle Anderson and Rudy Gobert was quoted in saying, you know, he's tough, but he's fair. He's very blunt and matter of fact, but I don't take it personally. And they were just about to publish that story and then he goes and do, <laughs> does that. But just... I think I think take that away because I've always believed that Rudy Gobert is a bit of a cancer to a, to a team. So yeah. take that aside. McDaniel's is their best defender, best wing defender, and you go and punch a wall. There, there is nothing to gain by punching a wall. You're only going to hurt yourself. It's it's just stupidity at the. It's beyond dumb, as far as I'm concerned. So for me. It was a brain snap. It's the biggest brain snap that I can remember in the NBA as far as dumb shit. That was, they, they win the dumb shit award for, for 2023. <laughs> um, looking for, we'll, we'll just talk. I mean, before you go, while you're on awards, I, don't, I want to pick up on this. We, we had a bit of a chat with this award and we'll get back on so we don't lose track here, but our Hoop City Raise Your Game Award, you've just nominated... So many incredible, probably one-off performances. Um, you know, clearly somebody who's raised their game or needs to get into Hoop City to raise theirs. But in this case, someone who's raised their game, and there are so many. I've narrowed down your list to three players, mm-hmm. and I want you to pick the award winner for this week. Mm-hmm. I had I had Xavier Cooks on there before you started listing off all of those other incredible achievements. We've got Udonis Haslam who had his 24-point game at 40 years old in his farewell game after getting up off a rocking chair. They presented to him at half court. And Kenny Lofton Jr., I'm not sure I've ever heard of anyone coming from the G League to play their first NBA game and having 42 points. So were though the winner of this week's Hoop City Raise Their Game award is? It's got to be Kenny Lofton Jr. I, like. I want Udonis to retire, so I don't want him to go to the gym to race his game. He, he, he's been there for a long time. He's lived in the gym. Kenny Lofton Jr. Have you seen a picture of Kenny Lofton Jr.? No. I didn't know who it was until you mentioned it. I only just typed his name on the list then as you were going well, through. Well, type his name into Google, just as we – I'll keep talking, but type his name into Google. I want you How to, many people are driving their car Googling Kenny Lofton Jr. right now? There would be a, a couple. Uh, this guy's incredible. Uh he does not look like a basketball player at all, but he's one of the smoothest movers on a basketball court that you'll see for someone. Oh, okay, yeah, right. Of, of, of his size. And um, for him to come out and do, I, I saw a couple of highlights from the game yesterday. He, he's just, he's got, he's, 
as the kids say, he's got his bag. Can we say he looks strong? No. No, we can't. But anyway, Kenny Lofton Jr., well done. Hoopsie, raise your game. Um, let's talk play-ins, Chris, and yep. predictions. Um, I think we both agree that the Lakers are going to wipe the floor of Minnesota in their current troubles. We'll go to the other game in the West. Uh, New Orleans versus OKC. Um, OKC, and shout out to Usman Diang, one person I did not put on that list for having 22, 9, and 8 yesterday in the final regular season game. But OKC, Josh Giddy, obviously, we uh, versus Dyson Daniels and the Pelicans. You would think that the Pelicans are going to be too strong. Right? Yeah, too much size on the wing, too much size in that center position, um, playing really good basketball leading in. You know, I'll be barking really hard for OKC. I just think what they've been able to do this year with the most unconventional NBA team, a team that we all thought was going to tank at the start of this season, has found their way into a playing spot already. Um, they've already got their own Victor Wenbanyama ready to come in next year, um, so they didn't particularly need him. And what the, what this game will do, yeah, it's only probably one game. I, I do think the Pelicans will win, but that experience, that belief, getting through and getting into one of these will, will probably set the table for them moving into next season. But, yeah, I've got the Pelicans. Speaking about... And then I've got the Pelicans beating Minnesota as well to get into the eighth seed because I just don't see them winning a game. Fair enough. Um, speak- Are you the same? Yeah, you got- no, 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 exactly the same. And speaking of the Wemby uh, stakes, uh, I think earlier on in the year you said the team would have to be around 16 wins. Well done, Detroit. 17 wins. They were the lowest win total of the season. Um, Toronto versus the Chicago Bulls. Oh, who knows? I, I, this is These two teams I have absolutely no idea about. They're, they're um, a betting nightmare, these two teams. Yeah, yeah they are. And I, I, yeah, you're spot on. You know what? I'm going to tip the Bulls. Uh, and for one reason only, well, two. Uh, Zach Levine is more likely to have a crazy game or DeMar DeRozan is more likely to have a crazy game than anyone on that Toronto Raptors team, I believe. I, I, I just might take one of those individual, individually brilliant games. Um, so I'll take the Bulls, but with zero confidence. I, I too am taking the Bulls with zero. Well, no, I'll, I'll go Toronto just to be different. Uh, because, okay. because well, you had zero confidence, that probably yeah, didn't matter. Yeah. The other game is the zombie Miami Heat versus the Atlanta <laughs> yes. Hawks. Jimmy Butler's already said, this is a dub for us. We're going to win. And I tend to believe, like, you talk about the other game and not knowing. What I do know is Jimmy Butler shows up at this time of the year and he's very, very good, if not a top five basketball player in the world once he comes to finals. I'm going to go with Jimmy Butler and then uh, Bill Simmons is going to get his worst nightmare of that two-seven matchup of the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. I, I, I really, hope, I really hope that happens. I think it will. Atlanta are too flaky for mine. They're, you know, there's a lot of there are rumors going around with Trey Young. He hasn't been great in the important games lately. Their decision making down the stretch in, in some of the important games, and even if this is a close game against Miami or any game you'd expect to be in the postseason, I just don't see their decision-making being at a level that's required to get through even out of the playing tournament. Um, yeah, I've got Miami winning, and then the way I see it, Chicago played Atlanta, that's just going to be a shootout. Um, perhaps Chicago defend a little bit better 
than Atlanta. So I'm going to go out there and select the tenth seed, the Chicago Bulls, to get through into that into the playoffs and uh, do whatever they need to do against Milwaukee. But it won't be very much. As I look at the rest of the seedings and how it all uh, ended up in the end, what was the biggest surprise for you? Uh, Sacramento finishing in three, or it has to be, or, it has to be doesn't or it? Brooklyn still finishing in six after. I, I still, I still think Sacramento because they had to do it all year and to break your playoff drought and become a, a three seed in a loaded West where you know people thought the Lakers would be better. Well, traditionally they are. Um, you know, Dallas missing. And yeah, yeah there, there was a deep Western Conference. So what they were able to do over the entire season uh, was really, really impressive. Uh, the Nets, I, I love what they've done. They, they had their hiccup when the trade was made, but they've found their feet. Yeah, they they get a look. I mean, I, I don't see them getting any of Philly going to be too much for them to handle, but good on them for, for sticking to the task at hand, not just throwing in the towel and tanking to get a draft pick. Yeah, they've, they've done a good job, but no, Sacramento for me. Out of everything that we've just talked about, what storyline are you most looking forward to in the playoffs? Having said all that, it's the Warriors Sacramento. I, I the All year long, and it was the same last year, people wrote off the Warriors, and, and I tipped the Warriors halfway through last season when they had all of their injuries, knowing that, as you mentioned about Jimmy Butler, um, they get to this time of year and they know what they're doing. Um, they're more comfortable at this time of year than anyone potentially in the NBA currently. Now, they get the Sacramento Kings in the first round. Um I think the, I'm fascinated to see what version of the Warriors turns up and plays. In fact, I'm fascinated to see how the Sacramento Kings perform in their first look at a playoff series. I, I, I'm still tipping the Warriors to get through that. I, I, I take on board they've been bad on the road and all those kinds of things, but the playoffs are different. Then the thing is, if they get through that, in all likelihood, they, they could get the Memphis Grizzlies and the storyline with that matchup would be incredible. If that matchup happens, I take the Warriors again. I don't think Memphis beat the So a very long answer to a very short question. The Warriors fascinate me. I still think, as crazy as it sounds, the Warriors could be Western Conference champions. I don't think that sounds crazy at all. Um, I, I just get this feeling that Miami Heat are going to go on this stupid run. Just like you, you've you've bought into Bill Simmons and the zombie heat, haven't I you? I really have. I've, and the more I think about it, like they've just got good pieces to go, and they're flexible with what they can do. And I I don't trust Boston at all. I don't I don't trust Boston. No, nor do I. Nor do I trust. Uh, I don't trust any other team outside of Milwaukee. I don't think Milwaukee and and possibly. Philly, but like the the West is a lot more competitive for me than what the East is this year. But I just think that the Miami Heat can go on this stupid, crazy run that could do something something weird and wonderful, and I, and I sort of like that at the end of the day. I look forward to 
breaking down. We're not going to do this again until the plans are done and we'll have our playoff seedings and we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit more deeply once we've seen what we're actually evaluating. But um, one, the, the, the NBA's collective bargaining agreement came out last week or, or whenever it was and we've mentioned over the last couple of months about the NBL's Next Stars program being in a bit of strife with the NBA taking away the requirement for high school players to play a year of college. Um, we just thought that would really hurt the Next Stars program and the quality of young, talented athletes we'd get uh, having their year in the NBL as opposed to college. Now, we've probably brushed under the table a little bit, but the NBA's retained that rule where they're not taking high school players and probably not enough was spoken about that. I, I just thought that one little dot point in the entire CBA was an incredibly positive one for the NBL so that we can continue to build the type of program and the type of reputation we've developed globally. Huge win for the NBL. Huge, huge, huge. And I think the one thing um, is the rest of the world is starting to catch up that the NBL is a true pathway to the NBA. Like there is enough evidence now to say, whether it's through the Sydney Kings, the New Zealand Breakers, what whatever's been done down here, people have been drafted, people have been picked up. If you're a journeyman, there's uh, not a, a set way to make it to the NBA anymore. And the NBL has become a destination point for people. I, I saw, um, what's the name, the ball? Uh, he, Leangelo. He, well, the, the father. The, the the head of the big no, ball, Lavar, saying that Neangelo wants to come to the Breakers next season. Like, I, I know that's all a publicity stunt. I know it probably won't happen, but it, it has now been known as a, a genuine pathway, which is really cool for the NBL. And kudos to everyone involved, past, present, future of, of that that program, because uh, it has been a, a huge success. For a little bit more on that, we've got one in the tank. Whether you listen to this episode first, we've got one coming up with Joey Wright. If you, if you want to know a little bit more about the NBL Next Stars program, make sure it's, it's an incredible listen, Joey. Um, but he touches on, it's fair to say, the uh, the Next Stars program and in it, when it was in its infancy and some of the probably some of the feedback he got um, for helping implement it. But hey, that's enough for now. Uh, we'll see you all after the NBA, after the playing game. Thanks to our friends at Hoop City. Don't forget to visit them. We always say hoopcity.com.au. Go find them on social media. Go find them anywhere you like. Get in there and have a look. And one from where they are. If you are enjoying this as much as what we are, please jump on, like it, subscribe, whatever you have to do to give us a, a five-star rating. That'll really help with us moving forward. Wordo, we'll chat to you in a week.